Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Freelancer Show. I'm your host, Joel Schaubert, and today will be a panel episode with Petra Manos. Hey, how are you going? And on today's show, we're going to discuss Google Analytics. Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. And we picked this topic because recently I've been contracted to do the rework of a big referral site that's worldwide for specialty lawyers. And as part of that, we ended up having to rewire the Google Analytics. And it's hooked up on several, we had to hook on several events for clicking different buttons and some things on the website. And so I was more curious about like, why does the company want that? What do they do with that data? What's typically done with Google Analytics? What do the dashboards look like that they've seen? All these questions I just have, I have no idea because I'm just the backend programmer wiring up the JavaScript to actually go with the clicks and all that. So Petra, if you could give us like an introduction to Google Analytics and why do companies want this? This is really relevant for freelancers too, not just larger businesses, businesses, small and large, all use their Google Analytics. And well, first of all, the reason why Google Analytics tends to be on pretty much every website is, first of all, it's free. So it tends to be that that's the one that's being used. But secondly, for an analytics software package, it does a lot. So pretty much everybody has Google Analytics on their website. I haven't come across too many that don't have it on there unless it's a brand new website. It's pretty much a standard thing that developers put on every website. And if you happen to be one of the few freelancers that don't have it already, Google Analytics is also really easy to install. There's plenty of plugins for WordPress websites. Anyway, so that hasn't explained what it is, but just wanted to explain that pretty much everybody has Google Analytics on the website. And what Google Analytics does for someone that isn't familiar with it is it will show you graphs and it's it's basically the database of information about people that are coming to your website so most people use it to look at the graphs um, to be honest i think that there are other google software packages like google data studio that actually create even better graphs but almost nobody needs to use data studio the 99.9 percent of people are going to be happy with the graphs that they can get from Google Analytics and it, it acts as a database as well. So that's that's essentially what it's doing. And so the type of information that you're getting from your Google Analytics will be things like where did your traffic come from, what kinds of traffic is it made up of in terms of, well, we've got things like which countries people are coming from, we've got the actual traffic sources, we've got the websites that they might have come from if they'd come from a website. We've got things like, is it a mobile phone traffic or is it a desktop user, for example? We've got information about what people are actually doing on the website if someone has that recorded in, in Google Analytics. So that's an optional element that you can add in later, which is what you were talking about, wiring it all up. Those are called events. So you can find out information about what events people are doing on the website. You can set particular goals 
and we'll go into all of these, but goals are basically where you say that you are hoping that someone's going to do something in particular. And then if that happens, then you can say, hey, someone achieved a goal. And all of these different pieces of information create different graphs in the in Google Analytics. So someone can go in and, and see all of this information. Another really common one that people will be looking at will be the pages that people have been to on their website and which landing pages people are coming in on. So those are a, a, that's a top-level overview of the types of information that someone will be looking at when they go into their Google Analytics. Great. So if I was using this and I was the, the customer of this, and in this case, I know like when people have clicked on a link to search for a firm or they've gone into this general search box to search for a speciality, we record that they clicked on that link and maybe even the search term. And so what, uh, what would be your guess as to why that's interesting then to the people who are contracted us to put this in their site? Yeah, sure. Well, let's just um, think about the perspective of a freelancer. So a freelancer might not be actually hooking up these particular things. So what you're talking about here is events, but we can go into that. That's fine. So an event tracks the actual behavior that someone has done on the website. Now, to be honest, I think many freelancers would like to do this. It's just that it takes a little bit more technical ability to be able to get that information in. Now, you're actually talking about using JavaScript to, to get that into Google Analytics. I do not recommend using JavaScript. And we already discussed this before. You said that your client does not like technology that is different from the way the website was developed before. I actually recommend using Google Tag Manager to do this. And someone that I, I, I would say that a freelancer who has some technical ability should be able to work out Google Tag Manager, especially if they can get like a, a course on it or, or anything like that. But Google Tag Manager is a lot easier to set up. And also it's a lot easier to change things as you change your website. But anyway, so what we're talking about here is they're called events. And what happens is when someone goes on your website and they do something that you're interested in, you would send an event through to Google Analytics and Google Analytics then knows that someone did that thing. Now, the reason that that is interesting is, first of all, if you, so let's say you're a freelancer and you want to know every time someone clicks on your button that says, buy my course. Let's just say you sell courses as part of your freelance and freelance business then you would do that by setting an event when someone clicks on that button to say buy my course and once you have that event in well now you can find out which traffic sources did someone come from when they purchased my course which countries did people come from who purchased my course what pages did someone look at when they purchased my course you can look at, did people come over multiple, did they come to the website multiple times or did they just come one time when they purchased my course? You can look at what other things did they do? So if you add multiple events, you can find out what other things people did at the same time as purchasing the course or did they do things in other times when they came to the website before or after clicking on that button. So there's a whole lot of different things. And essentially, any question that you have about what people are doing on your website, 
as long as it involves them interacting with your website in some way, you can record that into Google Analytics through an event. So events are actually really, really powerful. They'll pretty we, much answer all your questions. Sorry. When we're getting this data, this is interesting. The idea you can know like where they came from or country of origin and stuff. How deep does that data go? Like if I'm on somebody's website and click where they have Google Analytics, does that website then know like my name or my address or anything that deep? So Google Analytics actually has in the terms of service that you can't have personally identifiable information stored in Google Analytics. So Google actually knows, but they're not putting it into Google Analytics. They don't want to breach any data laws. They don't want you to be able to individually identify a person. Well, actually, that's not strictly, strictly true. They don't want a Google employee or anyone at Google or a person breaking into your Google Analytics to be able to identify a person. You can identify a person in Google Analytics as long as you have a unique identifier that only you know. So you can actually put in information into Google Analytics that would help you to identify a person and that's not against the terms of service. It's a little bit of a gray area. It's something that you probably want to be declaring, especially with GDPR and all of that. But if, if you had a identifier as part of a CRM, for example, you could put that in. But you, you're strictly not allowed to put in names, addresses, telephone numbers, email addresses, social security numbers, any kind of ID that would be publicly accessible that would identify a person. Google goes so far as to reduce the number of, they, they won't let you see demographic data. So one of the types of data that you can also get, which I didn't mention before, is demographics. You can find out gender and age and things like that. So, But they won't show demographic data when you're down to only a few people because they consider demographic data to be sensitive as well in small numbers. So no, you can't go down to that level. But if you, I mean, this is kind of a bit technical. It's the majority of freelancers wouldn't be doing this. But if you really, really wanted to identify a particular person, you can set up events that do pass through information about the ID that they came from in your email CRM, for example. But that would require a bit of a technical ability to pull that ID out of your CRM and pass it into Google Analytics. And that's definitely past the scope of this podcast. You'd actually do that with a custom dimension rather than an event. So that's interesting. So it sounds like I know my wife was working on a website and she had to be careful to have the little disclaimers and stuff about using cookies because it was also going to be useful in the EU, European Union. And you mentioned GDPR. Can you just remind people of what that is and, and what those rules are and tell us whether Google Analytics in its vanilla form is compliant and acceptable with those rules? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yep. So look, GDPR is for European citizens. So if someone's based in the US, they are still they they still have to follow the GDPR rules if a particular user is from Europe. So the chance of a user being from Europe these days is pretty high because we've got an international community. So the chances are you do have people from Europe coming to your website regularly, I'd say. Brazil's also doing one at the moment, and I'm, I'm sure there are other countries that are going to be following suit. So GDPR, it is a 
it's a set of laws that have been put out to protect someone's privacy online. And in a nutshell, the purpose of GDPR is to let people know what type of data you're tracking about them and give them the ability to opt out of having that data be tracked or at the very minimum, well, opting out is actually one of the rules, but some people do it in a, a more minimum form and what they're doing is at least telling in plain English what kinds of things are being tracked so that a person can choose not to even continue on the website if they're not happy with that. So that's why you've got all these pop-ups now saying that they're using cookies. It's, I'd say that the majority of websites aren't really going to the level yet of making it very clear what types of things are being tracked because I'd say that's probably something where a lot of the website owners themselves don't really understand that. So then having to get them to say that in plain English is probably quite hard for a lot of business owners. But the idea behind it really is to let someone know what data is being tracked and give them the ability to opt out if they don't want that to be tracked about them. So it sounds like if I had a site or helped someone do a site that had Google Analytics in it, is that enough then to require the need of some pop-up that says this site does some tracking or uses cookies or something like that? Yeah, sorry, I forgot to answer your question about the vanilla Google Analytics. So Google Analytics is definitely GDPR compliant, which means that they have, once GDPR came out, they put in a whole lot of options that let you clear people's data out of Google Analytics and do all the different things that are required of them by GDPR. So you don't have to worry about anything GDPR in compliant being on your website if you have Google Analytics. In terms of all those cookie pop-ups and, and all of that, yes, Google Analytics uses cookies behind the scenes. So the majority of terms and conditions and disclaimers and things that you've got on the website now I don't know if you some freelancers might not have done this yet if they've done their own website but for the majority of larger websites if you just scroll down to the bottom you'll see it will have terms of service and a whole bunch of different legal things the majority of those will now have a, a piece of information in there that says that there's you know cookies or analytics software running on it but it'll, it'll just kind of list different things that are running on there and most people expect to have google analytics on there anyway but the, you, there'll be a whole lot of standard disclaimers in there and usually it'll mention that there's analytics but the the cookie pop-ups are about having somebody specifically acknowledge that they understand that there is cookies on there and that will cover any software that uses cookies not just google analytics okay okay that sounds great. So if it is just vanilla Google Analytics, you may not need an actual pop-up, but something, some note or something that you do some tracking is probably appropriate. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, the majority of visitors would probably expect some kind of analytics behind the scenes. I mean, to be honest, the website server itself tracks basic analytics. So it tracks how many people are coming and, and all of that. But when you have Google Analytics, you can get much more granular information about the visitors on your website. So probably what we've been talking about so far is a little bit in the weeds in so far as a freelancer who wants to use Google Analytics and understand a bit more. So it would probably be good if we shift into some of the really useful things that you can do with Google Analytics 
in the software itself. Are you happy if we change tack a little? Yeah, that sounds great. It's one questions. of the things, well, one of the things I was interested in related to this, as you were talking about how someone might use it to track whether or not a person went through several steps before they looked at one of your courses or things. It seems to me like for a lot of that, you really don't actually need to care who the specific person was. You're more interested in how well your website is working. Is that generally true? Well, there's a whole lot of different things that people use Google Analytics for, but I would say the majority of people want to use Google Analytics for finding out where their traffic came from. So that's usually the first thing that someone wants to do. And then when they discover that Google Analytics can do more, that's when they start looking at these other things. Things like tracking the behavior on the website is usually something that comes a lot later. Um, So there's two main use cases that the majority of people would be using Google Analytics for. One is that one that I just said, which is finding out where your traffic came from. And the other one is looking at what pages people are looking at on your website. So those are the two things that pretty much everyone wants to know. And once someone goes in and and uses Google Analytics, they get hooked because they can all of a sudden see all this information. So why don't we talk about finding out where your traffic comes from? Is that okay to go down that direction? Yeah. So in Google Analytics, there's a whole lot of graphs that will tell you exactly where your traffic is coming from. You you have, and they've got different names. So one is one is called source medium graph. And the source medium basically means the source is where did they come from? And it usually goes down to a it'll it'll go down to a domain in this source medium report. And then the medium is what form or what method did someone use to come to your website? So so let's let's describe that more. So if someone came from email, for example, then the medium may be listed as email. Or if someone came from social media, it can it can be listed as referral because a referral means someone came from an actual link somewhere on the on the internet. So if someone followed a link and Google Analytics hasn't identified it as email, then it might count as a, a referral. So you'll see referrals for social. It might have been listed as organic. So if you have someone search for you on a search engine, then that would be listed as organic. So there's a whole lot of different mediums. I don't need to go into more of them really, but basically you'll see a whole lot of information there. Now, I actually find that for the majority of users, that source medium graph, which tends to be the one used the most, is just too much information. You don't tend to need to know all of the little nitty-gritty things. And you can get yourself into a rabbit hole using that source medium graph because Facebook, for example, will list themselves as facebook.com, m.facebook.com, l.facebook.com. They end up having a whole lot of different Facebooks. And so it makes it really difficult to know that someone came from Facebook because with the source medium one, you actually end up with all these different, you end up with multiple Facebooks. Mm -hmm. But the source medium graph is the one that most people tend to use because it does tell you exactly where everything has come from. And also it's it's the graph that a lot of people just think of first when they think of, the, the, the traffic. The one that I recommend is actually called channels 
And a lot of people, I think they don't use that one just because they don't know what a channel means. But the channels is essentially a simplified look at where your traffic is coming from. So instead of having facebook.com and m.facebook.com and all of these things, they'll just list it as social. Now, if you want to know exactly which social channel, you can click on the social link and it will go down into which social channels. But essentially in the channels report, it'll just lump them all into social and then it will put paid search like Google ads and Bing and things into paid search. It'll put display into display and it really simplifies it. Instead of having a hundred different source mediums, you end up with like five. You'll have organic search, for example. You'll have something like five channels and that just makes it a lot easier. You'll In Google Analytics, it'll show you tables. So it will show you information about how many people came from each of these channels and it will also show you a graph of basically where, where the people are coming from if you if you want to look at the graphical view so it depends on whether you're a more graphical person or a table person some people tend to be more visual and others tend to just look at numbers and, and data and so someone will typically pick one of those A lot of my clients also, they won't even look into the reports at all. They'll just look at the dashboard that comes at the beginning of Google Analytics. So you don't even really need to dive into these reports. You can just go to the homepage and they didn't really used to have much on the homepage, but now they've actually got some pretty reasonable dashboards and you can even just look there and it will give you the channels in there as well, I believe. Great. So when people are going and looking at these, the channels and the graph and the dashboards, what what kind of decisions are they making as, as they're looking at this data? Yeah, awesome question. That's a really good one because essentially there's not much point in looking at it if you're not making a decision. But the, the purpose of really looking at this channels report is to work out where to invest your money into your marketing. So if... So, when you're looking at Google Analytics, if we just segue for a minute, there's something in Google Analytics called goals and really everyone should have at least one. And a goal lets you track something that you care about that's uh, important to your business that someone does on your website. And it doesn't need to be technical. You don't need to put events in. You can make it as simple as saying, I want someone to get to this thank you page And you can just put the thank you page in there and say, if someone does that, they've achieved a goal. Or another really simple one that you can do if you're not wanting to hook up all these events is just to say someone who spent more than a minute on my website. So that's that's another easy one. Anyone wants someone to stay for a period of time. You don't want to have people that come and then leave immediately. So another, another really simple one, if you don't have all the events and things, is just say that someone that went to three or more pages, for example, so you know that they're actually going to multiple pages. Now, if you put a goal in your Google Analytics, then when you look at all of this information, it'll tell you what percentage of people from that channel achieve the goal. Now, if you, one more advanced thing, probably it's more advanced if you sell services, is to actually put in a value for the goal as well. So you can actually track revenue against that goal. If you run an e-commerce business, 
that value tends to get put in by whatever plugins you're using to track e-commerce on your website. But if you're selling services, that value is something you've got to put in yourself. So you probably wouldn't have that just straight out of the box. But at the very minimum, you can put in a goal really, really easily. And then when you're looking at your graphs, you'll say, all right, well, people that have come from organic traffic, those say 50% of all of the people that are achieving the goal. People that are coming from email are also making up 50%. And all the people that are coming from Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else are not making up any goal. So you can say, ah, well, in this case, maybe I should spend more time on my email and on my SEO and less time on my Facebook, and then I'll get more people achieving the goal. You can make that kind of judgment, especially the more people that you've got to coming to your website, the better that judgment becomes because you end up with a law of larger numbers. The, the more, basically, the more data you've got, the more accurate it is. That's great. So at this level, if you're using Google Analytics in this way, it's really so far from what we discussed, it's more largely about what things drove people to your site and understanding that more so than how your site itself is working. That's so that's when you would be using events. So that's another way that you can use Google Analytics. But again, that doesn't tend to be the first thing that people use it for. The first thing that they would normally use it for would be working out where to invest money in their marketing. That's normally step one. Step two that someone wants to know when they use Google Analytics would generally be which pages someone's looking at before they think about what particular events on those pages. So events on the pages is a, is a deeper step, but usually someone's saying, well, all right, we've got this website. What do people even care about? What are they coming to? What are they looking at? What are they spending time on? What are they... There's, there's entry pages, so they're called landing pages, and there's exit pages, so people might want to know which pages are people leaving from. Now, personally, I don't find exit pages hugely useful because a lot of people will just exit from the same page that they enter from, but a lot of my clients do want to know this, so this is something that a lot of people want to know. And looking at pages like that, you can, so you'll get an idea of how many people are looking at each page but then you'll also be able to understand what the bounce rate is for each page. And a bounce rate basically means someone that came to the website, looked at the page and then left. They didn't do anything else on the website. And then also how much time someone spent on the page. So if you look at bounce rate and the time on the page, that will give you an idea as to whether that page is engaging for them or not. So if you see something that has a very high bounce rate, and a very low time, it means there's something about that page that's scary. And so you don't want to have that page as your landing page because if you send traffic to that page, then if there's something that's off about that page, people are just going to come, they're going to leave and not spend much time on there. So you've essentially wasted whatever marketing dollars you spent on getting someone to that page. On the other hand, if you have pages that people are spending a lot of time reading, they're enjoying being on that page, they're, they're sticking around, maybe they're clicking through to other pages after reading, then that's obviously great for you because it's bringing people into your message. It's bringing people into your website. They're spending more time. Have you thought about learning to do native iOS development? 
Are you using Swift at work? Or maybe you've considered writing applications for macOS. We have a podcast that covers all of that called iFreaks. We have a new panel and a lot of exciting things to talk about. So come check us out at iFreaksShow.com. Great. Okay. And it sounds like you're actually speaking from experience here. I know you've done some work with companies that want analytics put on their site. So when you're talking about being typical that they might focus on really the source and where people came from first and then pages, have you seen that with some of your clients that they just want one level up first and then they got to digest that? Or do people kind of want all the tools and then they'll figure them out little by little? Yeah. So before I specialized in Google ads, my business was just specializing in analytics and I was using Google Analytics as the platform. So the type of work, so I still do this, but it's not my main focus anymore. So the type of thing that I was doing, a client would come to me, they'd say, look, we want to know more about what's going on on our website. And we'd, we'd work out what their business outcomes were that they wanted to have tracked. So we were talking about events. We can talk about events a little bit, but I would track all those events for them. So if we knew that there were particular business outcomes that they wanted to know, we would track all of those in Google Analytics. I would then create a report that would tell them all the things that they needed to know without the complexity of them having to go through Google Analytics and work it all out themselves. Google Analytics can become a real rabbit warren of complex paths and tens if you don't know what you're looking for. There's a lot of graphs in there and there's a lot of detail that you can go into if you chose to. But the majority of business owners don't, to be honest, looking at Google Analytics can be fun, but they just don't have the time or the inclination to do that. So they might pay an admin person to go in and just pull the information out of Google Analytics. But what a waste of time. Someone's spending hours just manually collating information from Google Analytics, writing it into a Word document or something, and then passing it to the business owner. Well, what I was doing was preparing a report that automatically pulled that data out of Google Analytics, formatted it down to exactly the information they wanted. They would have specific questions about the business outcomes that were coming from their website and I would get it down to just the information they wanted and I'd present it in a way that made sense to them. And every single business owner wanted to know, first and foremost, which marketing, which basically which marketing initiatives should I be spending my money on? What is working? What is not working? And essentially what pages are working and what pages are not working. So, I mean, those are the things that everybody wants to know. But then once we've kind of got past those basics, the next things that people want to know are with all the different business outcomes that I have on my website, how many people are doing those? And let's know a bit more about the people that are doing those. So we'll track things like, so, so if we've got e-commerce on the website, we might want to know how much revenue is coming from different activities. So we can track down to, depending on what people are doing on the website, how much revenue is that likely to lead to? We can find out things like where people are leaving. So let's say you've got multi-step process. A business owner will often ask me, all right, well, at what point in this process is someone choosing to leave if they don't? complete the whole process 
So let's say you've got, it's it's easier to talk about this in e-commerce terms because it's a there's a quite easy process that someone goes through. Someone will come to a website, they'll look at a product. If they like it, they might add it to their cart. If they are still happy, they might check out. And if they're really happy, they'll pay for and purchase. So there's a process that someone goes there and they can find out, all right, did they leave before they added to cart or did they add to cart and then leave? Did they get to check out? There's all these different steps along the way. You can find out at what point they exited. You can do the same if you have a service-based business. It's just that you have to work out kind of what your stages are. Mm -hmm. And it depends on how you've structured your website as to whether you have stages at all. Not every not every service-based website does. A lot of service-based businesses will just have a website that just explains what the services are and maybe has a contact form. And if that's all you've got, then you haven't really got the stages. So you don't need to worry about that too much. But it would be good definitely to track how many people are actually reading your content. So you can do that with that one-minute goal that I said. And having an event that says whether someone has submitted your contact form is really helpful as well mm-hmm. if, you, if you get a lot of contacts through your website. Great. So people probably start with just getting traffic to their website or whatever, and then go into, is my website actually efficient? Is it doing what I want them to do? Is it meeting the goals that I have for it? Definitely. Yeah. And I would say that 80% of the time, business owners are more focused on traffic Mm -hmm. than the efficiency of the website. Mm -hmm. But that's actually a really good point because when it comes to converting the traffic that comes to your website into an actual business outcome, the effectiveness of the website is key because you could send exactly the same person to one website and they would buy something or sign up or contact you or whatever it might be. You could send the exact same person to a different website and they don't like something about the website, they would leave and they would not have any business outcome. But because the business owners tend to focus on traffic first, I think it's something where when we first start our websites, we haven't really got much traffic. So we have this almost myopic focus on traffic and we figure, well, the website's good enough. Let's just get traffic to it. We tend to lose focus on let's make the website better. It just ends up being something that just sits there behind the scenes. And also it takes a lot of time and it can be expensive to update the website. But once you get to that next level, like you were talking about before, where you start to add events to Google Analytics, you can actually really drill down into what is and isn't working on the website. There's other tools you can use for that as well. I recommend things like Hotjar, which gives you a heat map and, and you, once you're quite advanced, you can use some tools that do A-B testing and that will let you see different variation. Someone can see a different variation of your website. So it kind of randomizes that half the people will see one variation and half the people will see another. Yeah, let's dig just a little deeper into those two for people who don't know, what is a heat map? Yeah, so a heat map will tell you which parts of your website are being used the most. So Hotjar, for example... What it will do is it will let you see how far people are scrolling down and it will show it in a very visual way. So you'll be able to see what percentage of people are getting to certain points in your website. You'll also be able to see where people are clicking or where people are hovering their mouse if they're on a desktop. Um, Obviously, if they're on a phone, they don't have a mouse, but you'll be able to see where people are putting their finger on the screen. 
And what tends to happen is you'll see your own website as a picture and then you'll see hot spots all over the page that show where someone is focusing. It's, it's funny, people tend to kind of hover their mouse or hover their finger over the parts that they're interested in. Some people will even do that as they're reading. So if they're really interested in something, then you'll see hot spots all over that. So let's say you're selling a service and you have an kind of application form or you're selling an information product and you've got an order form there, you'll literally see bright white spots over the order button and the different elements of the form where people are hovering their mouse. That can be really useful because if you are trying to sell something and people aren't even looking at it, it'll just show up as black or grey for you know your website and you can clearly see that people are not like they're losing interest before they even get to that part so it's a really useful tool actually to add hotjar it, it kind of shows the information differently from google analytics google analytics is more about like numbers and really being able to dive down into the numbers whereas the hotjar is more of a visual tool yeah that's great and then you know, the thing you talked about was, it, so the hot jar sounds like you would definitely use that to say, is my website performing well? This is, you got the traffic there. You want to know, is this page working? That completely makes sense. And then what are people using? What, describe what is A-B testing and how are people using that to work on yeah. their site? Just, just a point on that hot jar though. Hot jar, if you use the free one, it only gives you a limited service. So it's kind of got a freemium model. But if you want to get more out of it, it, it is a paid software rather than Google Analytics, which is free. Oh, and just um, to so, talk about that. So all these graphs you're talking about for Google Analytics, if you're looking at, you talked about some different channels graphs or source medium graphs, a dashboard, literally all of that is free then if you're using yeah. Google Analytics? Yep, Google okay. Analytics is completely free. So Google provides a lot of really useful software for free for marketers. So as well as Google Analytics, there's Google Tag Manager and Google Tag Manager is used to get those events into your Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. if, if you're not a crazy person like your client and who wants to have them all coded in manually. <laughs> These days, coding them in manually is really, really bad idea because it creates maintenance on your website. First of all, anytime your website changes, you need to have some, a developer come in and change all of the code. Secondly, every time Google Analytics updates, you've now got all this old code. Thirdly, if another developer or another marketer needs to update something, then all of a sudden you've got multiple people changing the code and that might break something else on your website. So you've got the, the fewer people updating the website, the better. You should just have you know, no more than you know one or two trusted service providers touching the website. And so you don't want to have marketers on the website. But using a tool like Google Tag Manager lets any marketer or the business owner get the events onto their Google Analytics themselves and they can use it to get on to get things to Facebook or Google Ads and things as well, not just Google Analytics. The, the other tool that we were talking about was the A-B testing. Google also has something for A-B testing. It's called Google Optimize. And Google also has Google Ads. And they've got um, Google Data Studio as well. So there's so many free, I mean, Google Ads, it's free to use, but obviously you've got to pay for the advertising. But essentially, all of these are all free. Google 
Optimize is one that lets you do A-B testing. And what that means is if someone comes to your website, depending on, so there's this technology that happens behind the scenes, but essentially someone will get classes A or B. And if they're A, they see one set of text or pictures or whatever it is that you've put. I'm trying to describe this in a, in a sensible way, but you, you, you essentially you pick one lot of one lot of page information and a second lot of page information and depending on whether someone gets classed into group one or group two they'll see one or the other and and every time they come to the website they'll keep seeing the same page that they saw before and the reason to do that is let's say you're testing a headline or you're testing some sales information you'll be able to see which one is more effective so google optimize will let you do that but to be honest if you're using a landing page builder or something like that, often A-B testing is actually built into that tool. So you don't need to use the Google one if you're using one of those tools instead. That's great. And then so when you do your A-B testing, you've, you're Googling put different things and different on the pages depending upon what group they were in. And then what are you doing with that after you have that information? Yeah, look, so you, you're not really controlling whether someone gets put in A group or the B group. So it's... It should be completely randomized by the software. And then what you're doing is you're essentially saying, is page layout A or page layout B the better one? And how should my website be structured? So let's just think about titles for a minute. So let's say you're trying to sell something on a page and you've got a title that says, hey, this is buy my course on beekeeping. And you might try out different titles. So one might be beekeeping is fun. The other one might be how not to get stung while beekeeping. I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about beekeeping. You, you, you would have your A-B testing set up so that half the people see title one, half the people see title two, and then you would measure the outcome. So because it integrates really well with Google Analytics, if you set a goal in Google Analytics, as to whether or not someone performed the business outcome. You can find out if someone bought the course and then you can see because Google Optimize, which is the A-B testing, hooks into Google Analytics, you can see whether they were from the people that saw the beekeeping as fun or they saw the how not to get stung while beekeeping title. And you'll be able to make a decision as to which one is more effective for your business. Great. So lots of tools for actually analyzing how you're doing as you're changing your website. Definitely. Yeah. The majority of people don't get to that point that most people are still fixated on the traffic. And look, I can understand because to be honest, if you haven't got enough traffic yet, then it makes it really hard to know whether the changes you've done on your website. So let's say only 10 people come to your website and three of them sign up and seven of them don't you're talking about such small numbers, you don't really know if the three that signed up were because of the heading or not, because we're just talking about tiny numbers. They might've just been already wanting to buy it. So you really need to have a reasonable amount of traffic coming to your website before analyzing any of these things makes sense. So using Google Analytics to look at the traffic first, work out what traffic is first of all creating the most amount of traffic but second of all and probably more importantly is which traffic is leading to the best business outcomes 
let someone scale up their traffic. And then once they've scaled up their traffic, then going into this extra analysis will enable you to make good decisions about your website in order to convert the maximum number of people. Oh, that's a great overview, I think, of the main tools in Google Analytics. If someone was coming to me as, as a consultant or, or, or coming to you and they didn't have experience with this, where would you tell them to start? Like in this whole, it sounds like there's a lot of tools you can go, some of them you said are so deep, you're all like going down a rabbit hole. What material mm. would you have them go read or how would you kind of get them like the big picture? Where would you have somebody start? Yeah. Oh, it's so tricky because Google is notorious for making what they consider to be simple information, the most complicated information ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's like they assume that ordinary people are all developers and for, honestly, for the majority of people, trying to read any document put out by Google is like trying to read Hebrew backwards. (laughs) It is so complicated. Even for developers, it can be really complicated. So a lot of people actually work it out by themselves or they'll maybe do a little course or something like that or they'll read blog posts about it. One of the things that I try to do on my blog is to simplify a lot of the information, although these days I'm blogging mainly about Google Ads rather than analytics. But there's lots of little short courses and things that are out there. I just don't know exactly what they are because most of my clients have come to me for a service and so I haven't referred them on to to courses but there's a lot of blog posts out there and the information reading a blog post is a hundred times easier to understand than anything that google's written okay so it's not like two good options for people then one is blog posts but a second one is you find somebody that knows it and that's their area of expertise you can oh, hire somebody to basically yeah. teach you, get you over the hump definitely so i mean i've got i still have people come to me for a training and let's say they book in a one-on-one session with me we'll just literally go through everything and we'll 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 work out what they need in their google analytics and i'll show them how to do everything that they need i actually have a course on how to set up google analytics so i don't have one on how to use google analytics although i've got an ebook for e-commerce businesses called e-commerce google analytics and it's that's quite a detailed look for e-commerce businesses or e-commerce managers. So plenty of the freelancers in this audience might actually work with e-commerce websites and that would be a really useful resource. And then my course goes into the, the way to set it up because if you just leave it out of the box, there's heaps of errors that will come into your Google Analytics just because, I don't know, the, the vanilla version of Google has things in it that that are not that accurate. They're kind of accurate, but they're not, if you want to be using this data all the time, they're not really accurate. So things like when you look at your pages, if the pages have different capitalization, then it'll split up how many people looked at each page, for example, and you won't get the correct numbers. Or if someone came from Facebook, Facebook's now doing something really nasty. I think, to be honest, I think they're just trying to get back at google if someone's come from facebook facebook now puts fbclid equals and then i'll put like this long string of numbers it's basically a unique identifier and so every single page that someone has come from google um, from facebook will be tracked as one user 
because it will always be just one person saw that unique string of numbers. So it completely makes a mess of your Google Analytics. And if you don't set up all the filters and things in Google Analytics, then all of those numbers are off. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a drama because for the majority of people, they don't have all of their traffic coming from Facebook. But if someone's wanting to use this reliably, then setting up Google Analytics to be more accurate is quite important. A lot of people just don't even know that their Google Analytics isn't accurate. And at least if they're using it at all, it's better than not using it. So, but but once you start using it regularly, you should have more accurate analytics. Great. Okay. So that's a, several good ways to get started and kind of some of the things to watch out for. Sorry um, to push my own product there, but <laughs> well, no, it's that's something good we... for people to, it's good for people to know different ways they can get started. And that certainly is an option. I mean, if people don't know anything about it, they, it's really, it can save so much time, especially in an area that's not well documented or isn't oh, made obvious. Yeah. Finding a great resource can just save people so much time. So that's, that's perfect. Oh, really, the majority of people don't want to understand how it works behind the scenes. They just want to know what to do. Mm-hmm. So essentially finding, whether it be my course or whether it be YouTube or a blog, just something that tells them how to do the thing that they want to do and just follow the steps and hopefully find something that's in plain English rather than just don't go to any Google website. If you want to know how to do something, never, ever read a document put out by Google because honestly, it won't make any sense. I can assure you of that. <laughs> Where not to start. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay. We're, uh, we're running, starting to run short on time here. Is there anything else we want to cover kind of from that high level of Google Analytics? Actually, there's one more thing. Just very, very briefly. If you're doing any kind of paid marketing at all, especially if you're doing any paid marketing with Google Ads, it's really useful to set up remarketing lists so i'll just let me just talk about google ads for a minute because anything with facebook is quite different but if you hook up your google ads to google analytics you can set up remarketing lists in google analytics and push them over to google ads and one thing that is so straight out of the box google analytics comes with a 30-day audience of all the people that came to your website over the last 30 days but I recommend bumping that up. If you're a smaller business, there won't have been heaps and heaps of people over the last 30 days. So I recommend bumping it up to the maximum time possible, which is 540 days, so that you have a list of all the people that have come to your website over the last year and a half. And if you do any kind of paid advertising, you can actually remarket to those people that have been to your website in the past. I strongly recommend that it's like having an additional email list. A lot of resources out there don't really talk a lot about remarketing, but if you have those people coming to your website, having a way to contact them again is great. And if they don't sign up for email, like 99% of people won't sign up for email, having them on a remarketing list is a way to be able to contact them again later. So I strongly recommend that. Great. Okay, Petra. So with all this confusion out there over trying to like hack through the Google, the Google resources and trying, you know, that's a way to not learn it because of the documentation not being the greatest or the clearest. Tell us more about how people can reach you and what are some good resources for people to get started with? Yeah. So I just mentioned some of my courses and things. I, I won't go into them in too much detail again. I've provided links 
for the, the actual course, which is about setting up Google Analytics. I've provided a link to my ebook, which is uh, Google Analytics for e-commerce businesses. So if you ever work with e-commerce businesses, that will be really helpful. And I've also provided a Google Analytics cheat sheet, which I remembered later that I have. That's actually helpful for anybody who is wanting to understand Google Analytics. It goes through the terminology that is on those major reports that I described and so that you can look at the report and instantly know exactly what it means. Great. Definitely saves you from looking up a Google resource if you can just see the two. So that's a, just a couple of page cheese sheet. Yeah, it looks um, like that one's a free resource, people. Get out there and get on it. Uh, they're all, yeah, they're, those ones are free resources. Yeah, the, the actual Great. course is a paid one, but I've got a very detailed, not detailed, but I've got a 45-day free trial because I just want people to use it. So I'm giving a 45-day free trial. And then if someone doesn't like it, they can return it for free and I'm not going to be charging. Great. Risk-free. Okay. Yeah. Also, if anyone doesn't like it, even after the 45 days, I'm still accepting refunds. So I just want people to get out there and use it. And so, yeah, check it out. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood. And over the last few years, I've gotten to know a lot of great people within the Microsoft community and specifically in the .NET area. Uh, one of our guests from JavaScript Jabber, Sean Clabo actually reached out to me and said he wanted to start a show on .NET. And there are a ton of people out there that I feel like sometimes get neglected in the .NET space. So if you're one of those folks, uh, you've been listening to maybe one or two of the other .NET focused or Microsoft focused podcasts for a while and thought, well, where's the devchat.tv style podcast for me in .NET? You can find it. It's at adventuresin.net.net is spelled out D-O-T-N-E-T, adventuresin.net.com. Go check it out today. All right. Well, let's move into our picks for the week. Do you want to go ahead and get us started? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So my pick this week, I have been reading a book by Terry Dean called How to Sell Without Selling, Step-by-Step -Step Marketing Formula to Attract Ready-to-Buy Clients. And I like this book because, I mean, I read a lot of marketing books and online marketing books. So he's not really telling me anything that I didn't know. But what I really like about this one is it wraps the information that I've got from a whole lot of different books all into one really useful resource. So it really describes how to sell online really in a good step-by-step -step way. And you don't, you're not left feeling like you've got one little piece of the puzzle, but not the whole puzzle. So I actually really like this book. It's quite a meaty book as well. It's got a lot of information in it and the suggestions in the book are all really practical. So I've, I've put through a, a link for the Amazon, uh, an Amazon link for that book. Okay. And, and my pick is I've been interested for some time just kind of in general about there's a lot of talk in the U.S. about the wealth gap and how it's increased so much in the last approximately 20 to 30 years and how the, the middle class has gone a little, they're a little bit worse off than they were before. It's a little harder to, you know, make a good living and maybe have a, a, a cabin home or something. Up here in Minnesota, it was really common when I was a kid for, for most of the people to have enough money to have a house and maybe a cabin up north. And that's where you go in the summertime and that. And, and that's generally just on the edge of being out of reach now for a lot of people kind of in the middle. 
And I had heard different theories on, you know, what's causing the wealth gap and all that. And I found a book recently, had it recommended, that's fairly mathematical, but it puts things in real simple terms and puts together several different pieces of the puzzle as to what it is that actually creates this wealth gap and why it creates so much unrest in the society and how you can kind of predict on these curves when a society will hit those periods of unrest and what will happen. And this guy is kind of famous right now because I think the book came out about three or four years ago. And on his graphs, it predicted that 2020 would be a, a turning point that would start to get difficult, which turned out to be, as you, as you know from 2020 over here, it's been very prescient. So the book is called Ages of Discord, A Structural Demographic Analysis of American History. And it's like economics, like economics, the supply demand curve. Anybody can look at that and kind of just see the picture and understand, oh, if there's a lot of something, you're not going to be able to get a high price for it. If there's a little, you can get a higher price. And the same as economics, you can kind of understand things kind of in a, a feel sort of way, sort of qualitatively, and have a pretty good understanding. Or you can go into the math, and then the math is very is, is fairly complex. I find this book to be the same way. People warn you it's mathematical. But you can really, I feel, look at the curves and the charts and the graphs on there and get kind of a qualitative understanding of what he's talking about. So for me, this has been just a fascinating book because it covers kind of where we're at in history and what's, what really has been going on and, and the key drivers of like the last 30 years in America and the wealth gap. So that sounds really interesting. It, it has been. It's been a really interesting book. I'm sure it's fairly relevant for other Western countries as well. Maybe some more than others, but I'm you know sure the, it's relevant. the way things happen is completely relevant. But then as actual data analysis, since that's so laborious, is focused specifically on the US. But as far as understanding what makes it happen and that sort of thing, I'm sure it'd be generally applied. Great. Okay. And so thank you, Petra. This was a fantastic overview to Google Analytics. I know for myself included, I've been kind of around the edges of it. Like I said, on the back end, doing some of the coding to put in those events and things, but have never really understood at a top level just because I was never specifically tasked with working on that or explaining that to clients. So this is a great start for people and you've given us resources to do more. And with that, this is Freelancer's Show signing out for the week. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.